Hey, I'm Brett Gornick. I'm Jason Lobig. Welcome to the Live Better Podcast. As Nike trainers, international retreat leaders, and wellness advisors, we help people from all different backgrounds push towards their potential, get healthy, and change the world. This podcast is about teaching others to actively pursue their entrepreneurial dreams, similar to how we pursued ours, and how to get and stay healthy doing it. We didn't start our careers in training and wellness. Jason worked in public accounting, and I, Brett, worked in corporate retail until starting our dream experiential wellness business, Live Better. What started as an idea for a protein bar led us down a path to build what Live Better is now, which performs everything from personal training and corporate wellness to international wellness retreats and yoga and meditation for kids. We are here to encourage you to follow your dreams while holding you accountable. It's not easy, it's not always simple, but it is possible. Let's make today the best day ever. Hey guys, welcome to the Live Better Podcast. Today we have Emily Griffith from Low Bucks On. Uh, we have been using Low Bucks for a while. Sweet branding, an amazing product, and an even cooler entrepreneur. Thank you, Emily, for being on the show. Thank you. And, you know, so great to hear that you guys are avid Low Bucks users. I'm a power <laughs> user as well. <laughs> <laughs> That's far for the course. You yeah. should. Um, tell us about Low Bucks, and then um, we'll get into your kind of entrepreneur story. Yeah, for sure. Um, so Low Bucks, we are the buckwheat brand. We make different crunchy snacks and toppings from sprouted buckwheat seeds, uh, which are actually fruit seeds. So it's all gluten-free, grain-free, high in protein, um, all that good stuff. But my favorite part is that it has a really epic crunch that I've never found anywhere else. So adds a really nice crunch and health benefits to your life. I really like the first time I use it. I think I put it on either Brett made a smoothie bowl or I had some type of like yogurt based something. Mm -hmm. And I was like, this is an amazing, cause it's kind of a soft crunch. When you eat it, you feel like you're about to bite into like a grape nut, <laughs> but yeah. it's, not, it's not quite that crunchy. It's like the perfect amount of crunch. Yeah. It like holds itself for just as long as you need it to, but it's, again, it's not, a, it's not like hard to eat. <laughs> They're extremely good. I'm a huge, uh, I love the cacao. And I actually saw that you guys started making seasonings also. Oh my gosh. Yeah. They're so good. Um, so I've been adding the original little bucks, just the seeds on avocado toast and, um, salads. And I was like, Oh, why don't we just take this next level and combine basically like the everything but the bagel seasoning, but little bucksify it. <laughs> I love that. I just turned it into a verb. Yeah. I, uh, I, which I, that seasoning also popped and it's so good. Um, so, okay. So tell me how you got into creating a sprouted buckwheat full brand. Gosh. That comes um, Yeah. I mean, I definitely didn't, expect that my life would take this turn but I was living in Australia working at a marketing agency I started first in Chicago and then moved down under uh, ironically at both agencies worked on really big meat food clients so I was in the food industry to an extent um, but very different than what I'm doing now and while I was living in Sydney uh, that's where I had sprouted buckwheat for the first time, which was also on an acai bowl. So really it was the texture that blew me away at first, especially on something like cold and creamy, like a smoothie bowl. 
um, was having, you know, this really unique crunch I never had before. And then I felt amazing after eating it. Um, so much so that I literally like climbed back up this hill to the cafe that I went to and I was like, what are these seeds? And they told me about them and they, the Aussies call it activated buckwheat. Um, that's just their term for sprouted. And I started seeing it all over like restaurants using it to top smoothies, oatmeal, yogurt, making desserts out of them, putting on avo toast, salads. And then in the grocery stores, there's all these brands that are using buckwheat. So it's just like a normal thing. Um, and I was surprised maybe being from the Midwest, it was like the trend hadn't, you know, started on the coast and makes its way in. That usually happens. I was like, maybe that's why I'd never seen it before. Um, but yeah, it turns out there's, there was no brand really focused on this super seed and it actually grows really well in the States. So we're able to source from a regenerative farm in Minnesota. So it was kind of full circle, like very innocent, like, oh, I'll just bring this to the U.S. then. Like America needs this. <laughs> okay. So you get back. What, so was your journey like you were still working for a marketing agency in Australia? Did you start the plans for Little Bucks when you were in Australia or not till you came back to the U.S.? Oh, yeah. I started them in Australia and people probably thought I was losing my mind because I'm like FaceTiming people from home and I'm like, I got this buckwheat idea. Um, and so I was like concocting all these things. And of course, I'm a marketing person and uh, I was always doing freelance graphic design. So I started doing the design and the branding, of course, don't have like any actual products yet, but you know, of course, got to have the cool brand. Um, so that's fun for me. And then the brand it's really, yeah. the branding's re very strong. Looks great. Oh, thank you. Yeah. I'm trying to breathe in that like Aussie bright, colorful vibes, uh, and kind of easygoingness. Oh, thank you. Yeah. That's, that's the fun part. I could talk about branding all day. Um, but yeah, so of course I needed to figure out like actually supporting myself. Um, and I had been freelancing, like I said. So while I was in Australia, I actually met a lot of, uh, this is the, the beauty of traveling as you guys know, but it opens you up to new ideas. And while I was there, I met a lot of digital nomads. Um, so people that are freelancing or coding or doing something that they can do remotely. And this is of course, before everyone in the world had to work remotely for COVID. Um, and I was like, oh my gosh, it's so genius. Like I like what I do, I can do remotely. And then you can travel and work from like Central America or Bali or wherever you want. Um, and that, that made a lot of sense to me. Uh, obviously that was appealing for fun reasons, but then also having that flexibility to start uh, the Lil Bucks brand and be able to do what I need to do to get that off the ground. So I was like, sure, I'll just start freelancing. So kind of quit my job with not, tons of plans, uh, went to Bali as one does. Um, and actually the little, like little bucks motifs, the little seeds, that's kind of like our little icons for the brand I drew outside a yoga class in Bali. So it's very travel born, the brand. Uh, and then the real work started when I got back to the States and I was like, Oh, I actually have to make this product. <laughs> okay. So talk, talk me through that because I feel like a lot of people get stuck with the oh, I have this great idea, especially in travel. I, I mean, that's one big reason why we do our retreats is just the, I think a, a change in environment 
um, and a change in culture just kind of causes mm-hmm. you to think differently. But with all of the good sort of exactly predetermined like knowledge and experience that you have, it just sort of gives a different perspective. So once you get past the like, okay, I'm in a, a travel bliss. I just came out of a sweet yoga class in Bali. I have this great design down on paper. Walk me through the first two weeks of feet on solid ground. Like, oh, I, I want to make this a business and I want to do this to make an impact, but also to make money. What did that first kind of two week process for you look like? Yeah, for me, um, when I got home to the States, I, I think a lot of people obviously doubted, like, what is this buckwheat thing that you're talking about and you made a brand for, but there's no actual products or anything yet. Um, so it was really all like up to me and fortunately had a really supportive boyfriend who's now my fiance, uh, in chasing this crazy idea. Uh, the first and foremost, uh, I, I didn't know anything. So there's a lot of ways to start a business. And I feel like every year there's more and more resources, especially for starting your side hustle or small business or whatever, but I had no clue. So I started with, um, my dad works at a regional bank in Indiana. So I met with the, a small business loans, um, manager there and just kind of started going through my business plan with her. Uh, and the draft of my business plan literally had the words blah, blah, blah in the finance section. So even though, yeah, the point nice. of business is making money, uh, I was like, well, we'll get the money will come. I mean, people love buckwheat. So I had a lot to learn. This is obvious. This is yeah, obvious. yeah. Like, and my parents are like, you can't go to uh, someone who works in banking with blah, blah, blah in your finance section. But I've come a long way. <laughs> That is hilarious. That I feel like is where most people get stuck, especially who come from a non-traditional finance background or haven't had any previous entrepreneurial experience. You're just so focused on what you think is a good idea that you forget the the finance kind of background for it. And it's funny, even I started as a CPA before we did oh. any health related at all. And I still hate talking about any part of the finance. Like, I don't want anything to do with it. It's just like too much, too much trauma from public accounting. And it's funny because anytime we ever try something new, we're like, oh, it'll just work. It'll just make, we don't have to figure this out. Like this will just come on the back end. And what's actually kind of funny is that if you are very committed to your idea and you have a legitimate good idea, that is very true. At later stages, of course, you need some structure behind it. Um, but I do feel like that gets a lot of people kind of hung up. Where were you at when, you know, when you had to write blah, blah, blah in the finance section, but you also realize like, Hey, I have to support myself. I'm coming home. I don't, uh, I don't have the job I had before. What did that feel like from the kind of like, now I'm responsible for sort of eating what I kill. This is an entrepreneurial venture. I'm, I'm now in charge of my kind of future from that. Um, what were some of those like feelings? How did that feel? Cause we spoke about it a little bit actually before we, uh, pressed record that some of that was difficult, like kind of walk through that first. Now you can drag out that phase for, for as long as it took for you to feel kind of uh, at least a little bit more comfortable with your business. Yeah, it was quite a journey. Um, because starting a food business too, like, uh, we sell our little bucks bags for $7 and then you take into like cost of goods sold, 
you know, things go wrong. So especially in like the early days where you're, you know, like, let's say it takes $3 to make a bag and you sell it for seven and you make $4 profit. That sounds nice on paper, but then like something like goes wrong in the kitchen and you accidentally, oh my gosh, like one time I did a batch for our first big outdoor festival and I did some cacao little bucks and I did it in a shared commercial kitchen. This is a major tangent, but, um, they, dehydrator I was using was a shared dehydrator and while it was clean uh the people that used it before had smoked salmon in it so they were there the salmon absorbed into the sprouted buckwheat and it was smoked salmon cacao little bucks and it was horrible so you know (laughs) (laughs) there's a good new flavor combo oh my gosh it was like we couldn't even smell it I remember uh Chris my boyfriend had to come help throw it out and you know so things like that are you know the learnings that is with a product-based business um and even not you know you think you like invest in some ebook that everyone wants and nobody wants it like you know there's all these things that you think are going to happen um so while that was going on I was like well I'm a freelancer so and I started actually doing really well in that uh, and ironically working with a lot of food and wellness brands in Chicago for the most part. Um, but it quickly became kind of like a very unhealthy cycle of work because I was making six figures freelancing, um, and taking classes at the hatchery in Chicago, which is a nonprofit for food businesses, um, to kind of learn all the, in my mind, boring stuff, operations and finance to make sure the business actually comes to life. But I was very determined to do it. So I was freelancing full time to actually support myself and put in that initial capital that was needed to like buy the first packaging, buy all this buckwheat, um, get my license, shared kitchen user license, to be able to work in a commercial kitchen space. Um, but yeah, then you think about like that all sounds nice, like oh that's a great thing, like you can support yourself, you support the business. But so I'm like working sixty hours a week for marketing. I'm making or more making little bucks in the kitchen from like 9 p.m. to midnight uh, and then selling them on the weekends and then also trying to like in between there do some business development, like finish up the brand or like sourcing ingredients. Um, So that first that was like a year and a half of that kind of insane cycle. And all of it was so crucial to learning what we needed to do for little bucks and like how do people respond to buckwheat? What flavor should we do? What should we fix? Um, and learning how to actually run a business that makes money. Um, but getting something off the ground where you're selling something for like $7 a bag, you gotta be selling a lot of buckwheat bags. Um, so that, but, so it was very stressful, very, very, very stressful. And I didn't have the toolkit or like know how to deal with all that stress. So I kind of got stuck in like a crazy work cycle where you're working harder and not smarter and always panicked like always need to be doing more. So I went through like a pretty, after three months after actually launching Lil Bucks, I completely burned out. And there was like a month where I barely even could work because my brain just stopped working. Um, And I think I was just almost like shell shocked from all that I'd put into it. Um, And I needed to take that breath and take a step back. And that's when I realized, oh, and I was 25, I think at the time. So I think just pretty young in my career in general. So there was a lot to be learned 
Um, but kind of like, oh, I need to take care of myself and learn. Like, if I'm going to be an entrepreneur that's balancing all these things, I need to get really serious on time management and having boundaries and rules for myself uh, that I actually follow <laughs> and building a health team around myself, which fast forward to three years later, I like feel like I've really made progress in that. Uh, but it took a while to learn. <laughs> what were some of the things that helped you sort of decide to start kind of taking care of yourself? So like you got to that point of burnout, but when you felt burnt out, what were the first couple steps that you took to get out of that? Because I also feel like people get really stuck in that. And those sort of feelings are, I, I, I think, more common to even non-entrepreneurs than people give them credit for. But they just glaze over them as like, well, this is just my cycle of work. This is the cycle of my life. I have Monday through Friday, I do this, or Monday through Saturday, or however many hours you work. Mm -hmm. And my free time, it's just kind of constantly playing catch up. Yeah. But if, if you were to go back and start to point out some of those signs and maybe give some solutions for some of those to someone who is getting close to where you were in that or maybe getting close to that in some other job, I feel like this is like a big for people who work in sales, anything where there's sort of commission or extra time added to, for extra benefit. Where totally. Weighing how much to work. What were some of those early kind of signs you saw and what would you have gone back and changed, which could be a helpful exercise if that ever, those things ever start to happen again? Totally. Um, it's so interesting because I actually, so, gosh, this is like been an ongoing learning process for me. And I feel like the last year has been the major breakthroughs, but you know, what's really bad is I can go through all the signs of things I would look out for now. And if I could go back and be like, Emily, take a breather. Like it's going to be, you know, and if you're in something like sales or you're doing your own, like even parenting or something, you could always be doing more uh, in a business. Like there's always something I'm always pushing. I'll always be doing more, but you have to, like, you are one of the best assets, whether it's running your business or sales or parenting. And if you're not able to show up fully, because you haven't taken care of yourself, that's going to be bad for your business or your children or whatever it is. So that's always something it's almost like I'm, I'm like, I need to get a poster on the wall of like, you need to be able to show up fully as you to give that to the business. Um, Cause what there was a lot of, you know, I would do kind of like a, I don't know if I'm allowed to say half ass, but kind of like half ass breaks of, um, you know, I noticed like when I had this extreme burnout where I literally couldn't even think um, or work and I felt like shell shocked. It was really weird. I'd never felt anything like that before. And I never felt a ton of anxiety before. And I was in like an anxious, like tornado. Um, <laughs> so, I mean, I thought I took a break, a proper break, and then I just went back into it. So I didn't, I didn't change my habits I just took like a two-week break and then I was like all right and now back into it and then I did it kind of again just not as aggressively but I still had the same cycle so some things for me that I now know to look out for and like those are major signs is uh just head spinning like kind of like oh my gosh I need to do this and that and this like I was doing that this morning like oh there's so many things to do when I start jumping around and 
that's where instead of I used to just push through and be like, okay, well, you better just get started because there's 500 things to do today um, is, all right, stop, deep breaths, breathing's been huge. Cause I could even feel like the tightness and shortness of breath in my chest when you get stressed out. So now I know to breathe and actually just plan. And even if that takes a whole hour um, to kind of set out goals and what's the most important right now and plan, I don't feel guilty about doing that. I used to feel guilty about, well, that's not a productive thing, but it's just been so effective in me being a leader for my team and me showing up for the projects I need to do for the business on real. Uh, and also that what really started to make a difference was actually planning my personal stuff. So the workouts, like going surfing, making sure I'm actually cooking, <laughs> like doing simple tasks that seem like they should come naturally when your time is off. But I think for me, when you care so deeply about whatever you're doing, uh, it's hard to turn off and you're like, well, this is the most important thing right now. And you forget that also your hobbies or your health are also really important because you're in it. Yeah. That, that I feel like was a huge thing for me last year. Mm -hmm. I couldn't, we, most of my private clients, actually, I ended up training virtually almost all of last year. So while everyone else kind of had a shutdown of a break, like I didn't, I didn't get Mm -hmm. any of that except for like the first two weeks when everything was kind of getting figured out. And it was this very interesting change of pace because for the first couple of days, I was so anxious about just needing to keep working. Yeah. Like, oh man, this, this, like this train was moving for a while and it has never stopped or slowed at all. What I thought was a break was really just a, focus of the same amount of like rolling momentum on something else. And then I just went back to it. There was no like actual balance of slowing down until that those kind of couple days of like angst sort of wore off. And then I was like, oh, wow, this clarity of like, okay, well, these couple things need to get done and I'm going to do mm-hmm. that. But I'm not just going to fill the remaining blank space with any of the infinite number of tasks you ever could as an entrepreneur. And that was the really tough lesson that I had to keep learning over and over and over. It was like, it's okay to step away and fill those things with other things that you really like to do. It You don't have to refill that with angst about not working or not Literally. getting done. It's just like a very hard realization to come to. And maybe it's, I don't know, maybe it's impossible to do when you're starting a new business that you really, really care about because it's something that you care about. Um, but once you kind of learn that you don't have to do that. I do feel like it even makes your work product when you do come back to it better because you're kind of excited to work. You're not just doing it because you feel like you have to. Oh, hundred percent. And I think, and that was like, that was a huge change. Yeah. It's kind of interesting. I feel like with, especially when you are so passionate about what you do for a living or whatever it is, we look at time as like this infinite thing we have and we can always keep filling it uh, instead of like being able to hold space for things other than what you're chasing and like protect that space because you need it for enjoyment and relaxation. And then it helps you come back. Like what was so crazy for me is it literally, I think took actually getting COVID. Uh, I was sick for like two weeks 
and fortunately like you know wasn't a severe case there's obviously like a lot worse things that happen so for me but I was sick enough where I couldn't I couldn't really think or work I just like watched tv and laid in bed for like a week straight and it was like while that was physically not great it was like the best mental vacation I've ever had in years and I was like this it should not take getting COVID to have a mental vacation. And that was when I realized like, yes, I've taken vacations and convinced myself that I've taken time off or like I worked out or whatever, but like truly letting your brain and your mind enjoy fully what you're doing outside of work is just as crucial. Um, and that when I came back to my business, I was like, I've never thought more clearly about our strategy and what we need to do. And I'm like, I'm like, it's not, it's real. Like, yeah. So, yeah. Whether yeah. it's good or not, it's just like uh, you, everybody needs like a kick in the ass to be like, Hey, you, you're allowed to do other things. <laughs> you are allowed to not work. And this yeah. is a good segue because before you said, well, I had a team of people taking care of my health and that. When Brett and I moved away from, I was in public accounting, Brett was in in um, corporate retail. When we moved away, the big thing for us is we didn't want, when we started personal training, which is a, a, a big but only a part of our business, we said we want to be one part of a team of people that can take care of each one of our clients. Mm-hmm. And we also want to be able to solve for a lot of those services like training, stress, nutrition, sleep, um, sort of like lifestyle management. And then when we need to outsource to somebody who's an expert or someone we trust who we know could add something to the conversation, we want to sort of build this network of people for all of our clients. And as soon as I started doing that for myself, both physically and mentally, which is kind of where I'm going with this, only then did I sort of allow myself permission to like take their advice Mm -hmm. and take a step back because like you're always in your own head and you need people who are kind of objective outside of you to be like, hey, Jason or hey Emily like <laughs> you need to chill out and someone else almost needs to give you permission to stop before you give yourself permission to do one of those things or have fun or take a break or do whatever um, when you were building, when you were building your health team who's on it and kind of how do you how do you go through how you kind of talk or what do you lean on those different people for and you could just highlight one or two a couple or kind of talk through talk through all that yeah, the the health team has been very exciting and actually a recent thing I've been putting together and every month that I've kind of had this team in place, it gets better and better. Um for me, I, I feel like I'm a I'm a journaling nerd, so been a lot of self-growth, especially in the past year. <laughs> um but the first person to actually join was my acupuncturist. Um and she's the first one to say she's like a holistic women's health um, acupuncturist. And I was telling her like, she goes through like everything. It's not just like she, you go in and get your needle stuck in. She like wants to know how your physical and mental health is. Cause it all, uh, you know, she tries to treat it holistically. And first of all, after our first session, we had like 45 minutes just talking and her getting to know me. And then she did the session and she's like, all right, well now I'm a part of your health team. And I was like, Oh, well, you're the only one on it. And so <laughs> congrats. Yeah, you are the VIP. Um or the MVP. 
of the health team. So that's where I was like, okay, wow, why haven't I thought about this? Um, and then I see you guys talk about it. I'm like, oh, like, duh. Why, you know, I always think of even leading my company as like being the captain of the soccer team because I just have to think in terms of that's just how my brain is with ath- athletics. Um, so having the team for me. So my acupuncturist is really good because she has exposed a lot of like untreated fatigue. Um, I think from just working and holding a lot of energy inside and being a really intense entrepreneur. So it's kind of held me accountable for like each month when I see her, uh, have I been actually trying to relax and um, we'll know after the after effects of the acupuncture, you know, where I'm at in terms of rest and fatigue and taking care of myself. Um, And then also the, another one that's obviously been really impactful is I found a really good psychoanalytic therapist. Um, so that's something I've always been pretty into fitness, um, been to some of your guys's events. And, um, so physically I, I always went for like taking care of myself physically. I run a health food company, so it's always been really physical. Um, And I think until I started dealing with a lot of like the burnout and extreme stress of the business where I was like, oh, even if you don't have an acute mental illness, there's still obviously you want to take care of your mental health. Um, And I tried a cognitive behavioral therapist once, um, which kind of can help with more acute things going on and can be really helpful. But, you know, she saw me and she's like, oh, well, you don't have like depression or anxiety, but like I can give you these tools. And that was nice, but it didn't really like. It wasn't what I needed. Um, so that kind of fizzled out. And then I found, learned about psychoanalytic therapy, which is more about getting to know you in the long term, you know, discovering any, you know, big T or little T traumas that you might have had in your life and how that might be affecting you, or even if you don't have trauma, but just like how does your brain work? Um, and someone you can consistently talk to over time and really gets to know just more about what's going on in your life and relationships and figuring them out. So seeing her every week's been really, uh, really great for me. Also discovered I have ADHD, which shocking. Uh, (laughs) So then just having a toolkit for, um, getting that together. And then now I'm, I'm in San Diego. So I'm looking for a surf group, women's surf group to, for on the physical side, but it's been very great having my health team come together. Yeah, it's cool. I and I don't think a lot of people when when we started talking about that, I don't think a lot of people think about that because our the the way that our medical system it doesn't work like that. Like your mm-hmm. dentist doesn't talk to your GP, doesn't talk to your orthodontist, doesn't talk yeah. to your surgeon, doesn't talk to your therapist. Um, obviously, there are a lot of legal constructs from the the sharing of that information. Um, but it's kind of our responsibility to help facilitate the flow of that information so that someone's getting a holistic picture. And it's just a very Western way of thinking about like, well, I'm just going to treat your teeth and this person's going to just treat your training and this person's going to treat your food when all of those things are all kind of wrapped into one. Like you don't get to choose what affects the other. It just does. And the fact that those people kind of don't necessarily talk to each other does provide like a very interesting challenge. And most people don't think about that as them being on your team. 
they think of it these individual relationships mm-hmm. and these individual silos rather than you being able to say, oh, well, my work is burning me out. I don't have a ton of energy and that may be why I'm thinking this way. So when your therapist has that information and then your trainer gets information back from your therapist or whatever, it does provide this really great kind of flow of information. So you get a nice picture of like what you need help with at what times and being able to trust that team of people is like the only way I think we kind of continue to thrive. Otherwise we just play whack-a-mole with a bunch of symptoms that pop up. It would be like exactly. sales team, not talking to your marketing team, not talking to your finance team. It's like your business will suffer or fail. And our health kind of works the same way. We think about it, these like little independent pieces of our health, but they aren't. They're yeah. all one big connected puzzle. Yeah, it's uh, exactly. And I think too, it's so great if you can find people that also align with that holistic approach to health, like with my acupuncturist and her being the first one. I mean, she's obviously looking at, I was so amazed that like, oh, we talked about my mental stuff for 45 minutes before she even stuck needles in me. So she knew what she was treating and what she wanted to track over time. And then saying she's a part of my team. I'm like, Oh, you get it. But you know, not everyone's gonna be that angel. And you do need like your GP and your dentist. And like, if you have any acute issues, like physical therapy, whatever you need, like, you know, not everyone's gonna think that way. So at the end of the day, being your own health advocate and thinking of it in your mind as you're all on my team. And I want you all to know the information. Um, And hopefully, you know, maybe some practitioners might not ask about it, but if they have the information that they're like, Oh wait, yeah. So I think not assuming that people just automatically know or understand where you're coming from in the health space, you kind of have to be pretty proactive. And to segue that back to your to your business, when you think about that for yourself, um, as the head of your business with the team, like how do you think about fostering that kind of environment of like care, work product, um, and just sort of like camaraderie with people who work with and for low bucks? Because I know now almost everybody is using like sort of this network of people. They're not always all your employees, but the way that you work with your partners and the way that you work with your team, how do you kind of think about leadership like that? And what are some things you think are important just kind of like as a founder, entrepreneur, head of a team? Yeah, I mean, one of the biggest things is definitely whoever is working on Little Bucks, I want them to be in a really good space personally and with their life. I think feeling when you are feeling your best outside of work, you're going to bring your best into work. So even, you know, with the team, definitely. And even with contractors, always, you know, bringing good energy. And even with it, if it's something I'm not like pleased with still treating them like a person and like, you know, it's so easy to just snap at someone and be like, well, this didn't go well, like, or you messed this up, but that's not, you know, even if it is, that was the case, you don't want to approach it in that way. And, you know, you can never assume, you know, everything that's going on in someone's life. So still approaching everything with compassion and empathy um and you know some good vibes because that's on brand for us but um and then another thing too especially with my team where I have more control over this uh is making sure that they are taking full time off 
physically and mentally. So we have an unlimited vacation policy, but I didn't want that to be like a BS vacation policy where, oh yeah, it's unlimited, but like we expect you to work at midnight and like pretty much all the time we're going to guilt you out of taking any time off. Um, so I said at least minimum take 15 days. Um, so it's like a real vacation policy still. Um, and then trying to just encourage them, like, you know, everyone really cares about the business and it's a startup and there's a lot at stake, but so I love that. But also being like, are you really taking the time off? Can we take over, you know, the Instagram account so that you're not even thinking about it today so you can have your full day off. So doing stuff like that. And then even this is hard, good for me too. Um, but I hold monthly check-ins with my teammates. So, um, we have like our weekly, you know, touch bases and team meetings and all that, where it's more tactical and like what's going on. And we talk about goals and all that stuff, but holding space for each month to be like, how are things going in general? Like, how do you feel about working at Lowbox? What do you wish could go better? Is there something you wish you could tell me? Am I not managing something? Like, what can I do better? I like, I am a pretty ADD person. So there are some things that like need, like, how can I show up better for you? <laughs> um, all these things. And I think holding that space has been, I've had a team for that long, but it's already been uh, really impactful to hear those conversations kind of, and you know, what can we do to support them personally so they can show up best as possible for little bucks. And every time we're able to kind of extend those olive branches, I think it shows up really well in their work product. So I want to keep that up. Yeah. The, the last couple months when people have been thinking about coming back to the office and mm -hmm. we've started to do more of our corporate wellness work again and talking about that, I think last year brought up a really interesting question on whether it was someone's personal responsibility to take care of their health or whether some of that burden actually fell on their employer because we spend most of our time mm -hmm. at work. A lot of people's identities are wrapped up in what they do and what they're capable of doing. And before, I don't think that corporate groups, especially large corporations, ever felt like they had any responsibility in that. It mm -hmm. was, well, even if we're going to provide you with help, it's a stipend to go do whatever. And most of it is like, oh, well, you already smoke. Here's smoking cessation. Or you're already sick. Well, we're going to give you health insurance so that when yeah. you get sick, here's some help. But we're not going to proactively teach you how to take care of yourself or provide an environment in which you could actually make some of those decisions. Most people are sort of scared to do that with their employer. They're, they're scared to take time away. They're scared to go work out during lunch. They're, it just is, is such a catch-22. And that's something we've been on a, a huge mission to talk about is like, hey, if you don't think that this is your responsibility, you're wrong. But yeah. whether or not the legal liability falls with you on how your employees act at work is sort of a different question. But the the burden of responsibility on an employer does seem higher because of what you just said. It's like somebody who is healthy outside of work will come to work more motivated and more excited to be productive, to be loyal, to add to the team, also because they feel supported by his coworkers and their bosses and the environment in which they work. And it's just has been a, a very interesting conversation, like listening to what employers have sort of taken that on and who is still trying to kind of like skirt that away. 
Um, and I, I just, it's, it's awesome when you like hear, it's obviously easier for smaller teams to do it, but it's awesome when you get to hear someone like you talk about like, Hey, these are the things I'm thinking about with my employees on a regular basis. Here's what I'm doing to take care of people at work. And I think ultimately that will make people really excited to work for little bucks, to purchase little bucks, to work with you guys. Um, I think that's awesome that you're taking an initiative to like think about those things and create that environment because those are the relationships, whether or not they work for low bucks forever or whether they move on and do other things like people will won't forget that. Yeah, that's the hope. And I think it's interesting, too, that it's really good what you guys are doing, because I think corporations are catching on like you can't manufacture employee engagement or innovation. It kind of comes from almost within and they need to feel like whole people coming to work and not distracted and stressed and scared or like, you know, they want to feel supported by everyone. So that's my hope. And I think, and and it's so funny too, like when I was officially putting the vacay policy together and I'm like 15 days off, you know how much that costs per person and blah, blah, blah. Like when you're on the fine, you're in the finance department and you're like, oh, but you're like, this is so worth it to get that extra mile out of them from, you know, just feeling inspired or they're going to be more innovative and engaged with what they're doing. And I'd rather pay for, you know, 11 months of really engaged, high quality work and a whole month off for someone versus 12 months of like stress. <laughs> yeah, you're going to yeah, the <laughs> of that employee is triple, quadruple. Yeah. What uh what is next for a little bucks? What are some things that you're focused on for for growth? You don't have to reveal any inside secrets, but what are some things that you guys are, what you're thinking about? What are some things that you're working on? Um, just like fun future stuff for a little bucks. Yeah, it's been um, a really interesting few months getting our full-time team up and running and another one's joining soon, but um, we're actually working on a few more flavors of cluster box, our snack product um, and a packaging update. So Hopefully we'll be able to reveal that in a few months and um, we're redoing the website for a better customer experience. So a lot of kind of pushing to, I feel like we've gotten to a really good place growing a lot of our business through the pandemic, um, but kind of taking it to the next level and hopefully uh, even expanding right now in stores. We're in mostly the Midwest and California, but we're uh, working on pushing beyond that. Uh, for 2022. Awesome. Yeah, I love the the sort of broad line between the snack product, the seasoning, the topping. Mm-hmm. It's, a, it's a great product mix. And I think it's cool. Like I, I couldn't name another buckwheat company other than yours. That's good. <laughs> That's how we're... <laughs> I was like, well, we better move. Move fast. We are going to be the Quaker Oats of buckwheat. <laughs> for sure. Yeah. Um, so one thing we ask all of our guests is if you could wake up tomorrow and have the best day ever, what does that look like? What is your best day of all time? Emily wakes up and at the end of the day, you're like, that day was fucking incredible. Uh, what does the day look like? Start to finish. So fun. Oh my gosh. Um, I'd probably wake up at, assuming that I went to bed a good time, I wake up at 8 a.m., and have a smoothie bowl outside um, and a coffee. I love coffee. Um, 
and maybe some cuddles with uh, my fiance, Chris, and then we'd go surfing. This is actually pretty much what I did on Saturday and it was an epic day. Um, <laughs> yeah. So yeah, then go surfing, do, or, or, you know, wherever you are, like some outdoor activity. I love like being really active outside. It's like the ultimate apex of excellent things. Um, and something where, or like a big cycling, maybe surfing and cycling, get like really exhausted from some like awesome physical activity. And then, yeah. Oh yeah. So yeah, it's like maybe we surf and we bike and then we go on a hike or something, just excellent day. And then we end up at like a really cool outdoor brewery, um, and have some like victory beers, uh, that you like really worked for. Um, and you have like one or two of those with like a really delicious, insane, flavorful, spicy meal. Um, and then probably finish the day, like either reading an interior design book or watching like a really good movie or documentary, um, and going to bed in a cool cabin in the mountains. (laughs) I like it. See, it's nice. You think about these things, it's all doable. Yeah. Um, where can people find more about you and where can people learn more about low bucks and to buy some? Um, yes, for sure. So I haven't really jumped on the TikTok thing yet. So I'm very much into the Instagram. So I'm at Emmy Griff and Lil Bucks is at Love Lil Bucks. Some people think it's Lovely Bucks, but it's Love Lil Bucks. Um, and then our website's lovelilbucks.com, but yeah, we're there, Amazon, and we're in the Midwest Whole Foods, uh, usually in the snack or granola section. People don't know what to do with us, but people find us. <laughs> you put them on all of the shelves. In I know, all- like, why don't we just be on both? They're like, nice. Yeah. <laughs> right next to checkout. We're going to swap exactly. the bitty candy bars for just bags of low bucks or your snacks. Exactly. That's what we want. <laughs> Well, Emily, thank you so much for being on the show, for sharing your story. I hope that you get some excellent waves for the rest of the week and you get a, a bunch more perfect best day ever in your future. And thank you for sharing about Low Bucks. We are huge fans at Live Better of both what you're doing and actually eating Low Bucks. Um, I have some sitting right behind me in the office, although you'll just be hearing this via audio. But just want to say thank you for hopping on and... Uh, Keep doing what you're doing, and uh, we love your vibes. Oh, thank you. Thank you. We're sprouting good vibes, so glad that you're picking up <laughs> what I'm putting down. <laughs> Thanks so much, Emily.